Thank you for joining us on More Than That, a podcast where we dive a little bit deeper into what was preached on Sunday morning. We hope that this is enriching to your walk with Christ and that you love God and people that much more so that we can extend the glory of God to the people he has placed in our lives. So we'd buckle up and enjoy the conversation. Hey, City Church, welcome back to More Than That. So this past week um, was the inaugural sermon on the book of Nehemiah. Now, Nehemiah is one of those, what seems like one of those um, books of the Bible that we just kind of skip over in um, whenever we're reading through, or maybe we just start and we focus on the New Testament and completely neglect the Old Testament. But Nehemiah has a ton of really, really good things to say about, you know, how are we supposed to be living um, in a world that is broken, but at the same time is still, um, you know, ruled by God. It is, it is God's creation. Um, so that is one, or that was one of Raphael's really big points within this past, within this past sermon. Um, so Raphael, if you had a, you know, 10 extra minutes or however long that you needed to get a point across or um, dive into something different and new, what would you have said? I mean, first of all, um, first of all, um, I was just, my heart was a little bit tender on Sunday. A um, uh, couple of things that were coming out of there, uh, which is actually like, uh, uh, I was just really just meditating on the story of our church. Um mm-hmm. So, so before I dive on to that, onto Nehemiah stuff, uh, was just really looking at like what God has done, um, you know, what God has done and how He's been really faithful uh, with mm-hmm. uh, to us. And uh, one of the passages that I'd, I had really just been kind of just like mulling on for a while was just watching, reading the story of Joseph, um, whether it's in like in all the ups and downs that he had, he had gone through, um, really just walking away with the whole idea that like, and God was with him. And then just like finding like the fact that like looking at the fact that City Church, that God has been with us in, in the lows of our church and also in the highs of our church. Um, so uh, I found that just like, um, it was just an, uh, a great time just to kind of pause um just to kind of like and and appreciate the church and um and even now like i'm just like like what second corinthians uh, 7 4 says it says i'm very frank with you i have great pride in you i'm filled with encouragement i'm overflowing with joy in all our afflictions uh that's just kind of like my the text i've been meditating on as well like when it comes to just the story of city church, mm-hmm. just really just like kind of taking pride in not, mm-hmm. not taking pride in the, the work of the gospel, being filled with encouragement that God has been doing amazing things. Um, and that God is in the process of changing lives and overflowing with joy. But that doesn't mean just like, don't ignore, ignore the quirks and the, <laughs> yeah. all the ups and downs and yeah. the, the, the potholes in, mm-hmm. within the, you know, the bumpy road. Um, 
but you can also have that overflowing joy in the midst of afflictions. Mm-hmm. That's really what, for me, it has. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. That that's that's a scripture I wanted to actually bring up on Sunday, but I realized it was going to take more time than <laughs> uh, than needed. Um, yeah, yeah. But now, when it comes to Nehemiah, um, really the dream, the dream is is now like bringing Nehemiah at this time, right when we're at our ninth year anniversary, going to ten years is really just almost like a, a rally cry. Um, and I think that's what I wanted to really just express to our people, a rally cry uh, to really just bring as many of our people to realize that if we're going to be successful in gospel work right in this corner, uh, right in this corner, uh, 36 East 4th Street, uh, if we're going to be successful and if we're going to see Jesus change lives, uh, it's going to have to be a we issue versus a they issue. Yeah. Um, and, and I was going to press that in a little bit more. Uh, and when I'm talking about like an, a we issue, we see Nehemiah is going to be in a collective. Yes, we see Nehemiah being the point person uh, to really initiate and get this work done. God, who is sovereign, works through him. But what's so beautiful about it is the fact that, like, Nehemiah recognizes he can't do it by himself. And and for me, what I what I really just wanted to do even on Sunday a little bit more is spending... I would have spent more time imploring people and saying, it's so easy to point and just say, it's the elders, it's the deacons, it's the leaders, it's they, they, they. But every single problem in the church is not a they problem. Um, and we need to kind of just like really then, like I bring that out as as just like where um, the health of the pastor is also a church problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The health of the elders is a church problem. Mm-hmm. And it's concerning a lot of more the health of the church mm-hmm. is not an elder problem as much as it's also a church problem. Mm-hmm. So when you say health, what do you mean? I'm just talking about like here when we're looking at um, he's seeing like Nehemiah is hearing that text says that he saw there was actually like what disgrace, right? Um, and he hears about what's happening. There was great trouble and disgrace within Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. Like, and so because of that, you this was not Jerusalem's walls had been broken down and its gates had been burned. Mm-hmm. Um, and so because of that, like you're looking at that and you're saying um, Jerusalem was not in a healthy place. Um, um, the remnant were not in a healthy place. They felt they were in trouble and they felt they were in the disgrace. Um, and there isn't a virus that's going in within the church lately, where um, lately for a very long time, where, where the health of the church has been left just to either the professional Christians mm-hmm. who are the people yeah. who do vocational ministry and, or has been left to just the, maybe the elders of the church 
um and then it's easy and and sometimes it's it it really really stresses me out yes that's a very good stresses me out to when i'm sitting down with people and they are talking as if they're not part of the church when they're actually part of the church mm-hmm. they and they have a, a, a they language or you all language instead of like hey this is a we problem Mm-hmm. Like where at the end of the day, it's just one of those things where it's like, it's so easy to complain about the elders, but are you praying for them? Uh, it's so easy to point all the decisions that are wrong that are like, hey, did you at least write maybe a graceful email? Like, and just say, hey, this is what I'm burdened for. This is what's happening. Uh, and especially the prayer part. Like there's just sometimes where I'm just like, it's one of those things where it's like, hey, I know um, there's a church member who's probably like uh, just like one of the most like uh, uh, has maybe kind of like wounded me the most and but has been a blessing to me the most. <laughs> like and when I say wounded me the most, I can expect them to be honest with me. Yeah. but then. They have blessed me the most because on a day when they know that's something really, really, that was tough. Like, for example, COVID happened and there was like, and, and, and there was this, this, this church member who just basically like, um, went to the store, picked up like, just like, you know, uh, picked up a few things. And he was like, and he was like, Hey, uh, I'm driving over to your house. I just want to check on you. Are you okay? Are you everything? I just want to let you know we're with you. We're praying for you. I know this is a very tough place. You're having to figure out, is it 10 people? Is it one person? Is it like, and it's just like, and I felt taken care of there. Yeah. Like where yeah. at the end of the day, it was like, you're scrambling trying to figure out what's healthy, what's not. I don't want to expose people in this. I don't want to. And then, but at the same time, there's that one person who's like, Hey, I drove. And and they had driven from far. They mm-hmm. don't live just like two minutes away from my house. They drove at distance. Mm-hmm. And and so and so it's just it's one of those things where it's like you're watching Nehemiah getting into this skin and like underneath like Nehemiah had not been to Jer- Jerusalem. He is Babylon born. He's like he's born there. He's like, and but yet there's a way in which every now and then he is working in the palace. He is busy. He's doing one of the most important, in fact, the most important job, keep the king alive. <laughs> but he, we don't know whether Hananiah, his brother, he sent him there to inquire. But we know he has a unique burden uh, for the health of actually what? Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. So I just... I pray that like at least this would become uh, a place where do we have a unique burden for uh, the health of the church as a whole? Yeah. Like, do we have a unique burden for, for our elders? Do we have a unique burden for our men and our women? Um, it's like, and then, but at the same time, um, do we have a burden for our children? Um, do we have to beg or maybe just like, like always try to figure out like, man, who's going to teach our children, right? Mm-hmm. Like do, 
do we have a unique burden for our society as a whole? Are we sharing Christ? Are we doing all that stuff? And but like what also just like what you saw on Sunday is the whole idea of like within that framework of that unique burden, there's also a questioning of like, but why am I the one really feeling this? Mm -hmm. Maybe the God of the universe has what? Has put me here at such a time as this. That's what the beauty of Nehemiah is written in the same time frame and the same kind of vein as Esther would have been written in, right? Like in the same kind of like, this is God who is taken and he's put this person in a very totally just like in a, in a kingdom, pro close proximity to the king. And, and that king can actually be able to move some stuff. But then it's actually like having now a wonder of like, is it something that I just need to complain about to a thousand people? Or is it something I need to really now take time to now if this is also a sovereign god who's planted this burden i need to then go spend time with that sovereign god who's planted this burden and i need to actually ask him for the later for the next what move Mm -hmm. because sometimes when we when we when we get an inkling of like oh this needs to change what do we do we even take a premature idea and then we run straight in with it and we end up hurting a whole lot of people in the process. Mm-hmm. And we end up actually like take a, actually like a, and uh, it, this is like great ideas are like wine. It needs to first mature. <laughs> and sometimes like within that naivety yeah. and like as a pastor, sometimes like, uh, I'm notorious sometimes like as a leader, like I can see what maybe you're not seeing. And then you end up getting mad as in like, oh, the pastor doesn't even care about my ideas. If Nehemiah had taken that idea straight to, to other's access right before he cooked it, right before he is, who was like, why is this bothering me so much? Let me go spend time with the sovereign God. The sovereign God wouldn't have given who others access that very thing of like, mm-hmm. why is your head down, Nehemiah? What do you need? And then you see him actually following the protocol of actually like, if it pleases the king, this is what's bothering me. And then eventually God opens that door. Boom. Yeah. So you see what I'm yeah, talking about? Yeah, but the strange part about that is, and the, so this is where Luke 16 is going to come in. Yeah, it, where Artaxerxes is kind of like that book setter. He was fixing the books. He's like, listen, if my cupbearer isn't healthy and he's he's not on his A game, that means yeah, I'm, I'm not. I'm I can't screwed. be on my yeah, A game. Yeah, like, yeah, 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 yeah. I could die. So he's <laughs> yeah. like, he's fixing the books. So this guy stays alive. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I stay alive. So it's like, yeah. Hey, um, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. but but you see the whole thing. But like now. Which is now like maybe what at least like you see even a lot of commentators spoke about that prayer for Nehemiah is action instead of inaction. Mm -hmm. And so with that said, spending five months in prayer, I know probably most of our church would be so offended if if, 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 if an idea comes up 
And I say, let's spend a little bit more time in prayer for that. Mm -hmm. Like our culture is now so it's prayer is, is one of the, it looks like we have taken prayer and we've put it as an inaction. Yet, actually, if prayer is what it is, which is taking an issue and giving it to a sovereign God, mm-hmm. my goodness, what an, what an important step that we shouldn't actually jump. It, it, it's like, it's like, it's like that recipe of, of like that recipe of making stuffing and then removing a big ingredient of that. It's that recipe of making mashed potatoes or whatever it is and, and not even having potatoes in there. <laughs> it's like, you see yeah, what yeah, I mean? Yeah. Like God and his sovereignty is the potatoes of that. Mm-hmm. And if our church could really just kind of wrap its brains around the whole idea that prayer is not in action prayer is actually the greatest action man if you can take some time to pray some of the arguments you have whether it's like trying to push your idea in the church take a moment fast pray weep for the state of the church and then come what does prayer do Prayer takes you now, enters you into that, and then now you will even have some conversations you will have with the leaders, conversations you will have with your husband or your wife, conversations you will have with even someone you deem an enemy, conversations you have with whoever. Man, with someone who has taken at least five months to pray, I guarantee you your posture is going to be totally different. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I guarantee you are going to be seeing many angles to that than you've ever seen. I guarantee the God of revelation will give you a little bit more of just like, hey, let's approach it in this way. Let's approach it. You, you almost get strategy of approaching versus actually like, that's what we see in Nehemiah. Mm-hmm. So I think that's at the end of the day, it's just like, you're watching concern and compassion invade his heart. And then from there, and we see him now, actually, that compassion turn into actually what? Prayer. Yeah. Before he moves, which is what we're going to be looking at again, the contents of his prayer. And these contents of his prayer are going to blow your mind away because at the end of the day, he is spending a lot more time setting this thing up before he actually goes forward. He prays to God and he continues to actually ground his prayers on God's sovereignty, what he has done and uh, all that, etc. So mm-hmm. that's, a, that, that's at the end of the day. If you can just walk away with anything, it's walking away just realizing Nehemiah is probably one of the best doers. There's a reason why we run to Nehemiah when we want to get stuff done. Nehemiah is the greatest executor. Mm-hmm. Nehemiah is the greatest task. You know, he can get like, he's task oriented. He is one of the most efficient leaders mm-hmm. ever. If you want a good example of a type A person, Nehemiah. Nehemiah. But yet this type A person recognizes the most important ingredient to getting things done is spending five months in prayer. Mm-hmm. Which is weird because that's a type B Yes. Personality trait. That's why I say that, like, that's Martha and Mary married and forever 
death till death do us <laughs> apart. Like that's actually like if Jesus yeah. was actually to use an example of of what Martha and Mary look like, because mm-hmm. Jesus is not against Martha in no. that story. He doesn't condemn her. He doesn't condemn her, but she's busy doing stuff. And then she really then, but you know, doers end up getting super bitter if they lack perspective, if they lack perspective or they lack doing the deep work part of going and sitting at his feet to get actually everything. Even Moses, before he builds the tabernacle, goes and spends 40 days and 40 nights up in the mountain. He spends, and everyone gets all impatient with the fact that like, for him to get the blueprints of actually building the tabernacle, he spends extra time with God and he comes down and he builds this thing. Yeah. That's the same in the church. No wonder why Acts chapter 6 is so important to the New Testament. Because when the disciples are spending more time doing stuff, they end up realizing, guys, we've got it all bad. We're all wrong. Let's select some people to keep doing stuff, keep on doing stuff. We need to be about prayer and the preaching of the word. Prayer became one of those, even in the New Testament, it's the most important thing to do. That's yeah, and you know, going that's going back ten to, minutes. Yeah. <laughs> going back to the Mary and Martha thing, um, there was no excuse. I was I had to look it up. And um, cool thing is about Google is you can like Google something, and then your Bible software is kind of like strangely linked. And like, oh, you have Bible software. Yeah. Here, here's a mm-hmm. here's a resource from this software. Um, Martha had no excuse to not engage with what Jesus was saying, looking at the floor plan yeah, of a typical yeah. ancient Israelite house within the first century, which is the century that Jesus lived in. It was kind of this open floor plan. Like when I think about it, it's like, you know, you're sitting, you're, um, you're in a two story house with a loft bed, like a loft bedroom. Yeah. And you're, you're, you're upstairs, you're folding clothes and stuff like that. And, um, you have, uh, two people downstairs just having a conversation that you probably could be involved in. Yeah. It is that type of scenario where there is no reason for that person who's up in the loft folding laundry to not still be involved in that conversation. Yeah. You might have to, mm-hmm. you might have to raise your voice volume wise so you can actually be heard or, you know, you just might have to listen a little bit closer or maybe turn the podcast off or turn the music off. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, invest, get like, you know, you mentioned deep work. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> the author of deep work is a digital minimalist. Yeah. Take, take out your headphones, pay attention to what's going on within your own household. Um, for Mary and Martha, it, or for Martha, it was pay attention to what Jesus was saying. Yeah. Um, but one of the things, another thing that you know you mentioned about <laughs> us uh, we're not going there yet <laughs> i i want to bring this up because this is something that both you and i share yeah, yeah um and you mentioned the health of the pastor is a we problem mm-hmm. or is a problem for the church and i want to kind of impress a little bit more on that and say it's not a it's not spiritual health necessarily mm-hmm, as mm-hmm. in it is the only aspect that is important to the pastor. Yeah. I have, I have to own my own 
I have to do, I have to lead myself rather in that. But at the same mm-hmm. time, yeah, go ahead. But I was going to go even further yeah. and say it, it's not just your spiritual health that's at stake, it's your physical health. If, mm. the, if your mm. physical health and your spiritual health are not both very, very high, then you as a, you as the pastor, as the vocational person that is planted here at this church, yeah. you're not able to fulfill your job because you're not able to, like, your office is on the fourth floor. If you weren't somewhat physically fit, those, those, every, every time that you, like, go up those stairs, you'd have to take, like, a 10-minute break because it's a trek. But, like, <clears throat> taking care of your physical body yeah. has spiritual ramifications. Mm. And taking care of your spiritual health has physical ramifications. Yeah. And yeah. that's just, like, a, I, I, want to, I want to employ our church or implore our church to not just consider health when it relates to the church as being spiritual, spiritual yeah, it, it take, you need to take care of the body, which means the, the physical location of the church, but also the, um, like as in the building, but also, um, it's people, yeah. it's people and, mm-hmm. and their health, but also your health. Yeah. If you're not taking care of yourself, which is what Jesus was getting at with the speck of dust in your eye and trying to take a plank out of somebody else's, if you can't adequately see what's going on or you're, you're not physically fit enough to do something that you're not able to help somebody else. Um, so I'll let you talk a little bit more. <laughs> yeah. Um, so <clears throat> another thing that you brought up <laughs> <laughs> okay. is yeah. a buzzword within mm-hmm. Christianity. Yeah. Now, what's that? So, this, so sovereignty. The mm-hmm. sovereignty of God is a major debate topic within Christianity, theological, philosophical circles. Um, so could you explain what you mean by the sovereignty of God? Because not everybody knows what this is. Because, I mean, yeah. Yeah. like we, like in our, in our home group last night, I was like, hey, when you hear sovereignty in God, what comes to mind? Like, what do you think of? And... I know it's a big theological term, and yeah. there's a lot to unpack there, but it was like it was longer than the awkward silence. It it was almost uncomfortable. Like I wanted to leave. Yeah, not yeah. because it's a topic that's near and dear to my heart, but because it's like, oh, we have a lot of there's there's this foundational thing that is an attribute of God that we don't know how to talk about. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, actually, like, and that's that's now. I'm glad you brought that up. Um, if I was to fix something um, about my sermon on Sunday, it would have been actually to start by defining sovereignty, um, because I hinged a lot on that word. So, you did. Yeah. Um, which uh, no, which yeah, is which is, is I mean, understandable. But mm-hmm. like, um, by sovereignty, um, this is probably like what. Uh, one theologian defines it this way, and I, I agree with that. Um, it's the whole idea that God is the supreme ruler mm-hmm. um, and independent of any authority outside of himself. Like righteous, he is the supreme ruler, and he, is, he, is, he rules all, he is above all. So you, if you're looking at hierarchy, basically, like just 
and you were to track as you were to go to the highest of them all, you will find this God on top of that, which is now like, and, and, um, and, and so therefore his sovereignty is something, uh, is something that, that really then becomes like, um, it's just really always having to say, if you confess God as your God, um, and as your, and you, but yet at the same time, like you, you are also just like, uh, what you call it? Like, um, if you confess him as your Lord, you confess him also as your, as your supreme ruler. Mm -hmm. right as your supreme ruler uh and that's really just like what we're talking about like in terms of like his uh the lordship of god like the the um the fact that like there is nothing that is out of uh what you call it there's nothing out of his control and his his rule that he cannot actually like what you call it like he cannot um that he cannot impact, mm -hmm. that he cannot, he cannot, he doesn't rule. Mm -hmm. um, another theologian said basically there is no square, there's no square, um, there's no inch of this world that God doesn't claim as his. Yeah. Like that he doesn't, doesn't claim as actually what, uh, as, as a ruler mm -hmm. on. So, yeah. Um, I don't know if that that's uh, that's good. No, I mean that's that's a good definition, and mm. part of re the reason why I say that's a good definition is because you and I kind of differ on what the extension of God's sovereignty and what what that really and truly means. Yeah, um, and it might be even like slight differences, but still, like it. The cool part about the way that you defined it there is that it allows for both. Yeah, yeah, <clears throat> and it it allows for. Um, the ability to disagree on certain intricacies of and nuances of a doctrine that it, we can't get we can't get around yeah as we Christians, can't get, but we can within orthodoxy we can we can agree agree to disagree on it. But it has not been the, 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 this is now like what probably my main thing was even on Sunday. A lot of times, a lot of circles when I've heard sovereignty being brought up, it's been used to, as a weapon against god himself mm -hmm. it's been weaponized like in terms of just like instead and to the point that it has not it's been weaponized like where it's like oh if god was in control of everything why is this happening mm -hmm. it's like it's to the point that like where it's been used in a very polarized way in such a way that like it sometimes totally negates human responsibility mm -hmm. like negates the fact that like hey we're in this mess because mm -hmm. we made this mess yeah like and not only that the god of the universe who made this whole world told us exactly that hey don't get in that this is what's gonna happen mm -hmm. and so we're in this mess because and then so yeah. we sometimes always even overlook the whole idea of just like of even his sovereignty in that way and we just want to jump more into um yeah we we want to always overlook that yeah um so 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 this time what i wanted to do 
was to actually just like to use and to begin to actually just say, Christian, God's sovereignty is also your best, the best you've got. Like mm-hmm. it's just, it's one of those things of like, can you imagine being Nehemiah? You are the Persian kingdom. Like the Persian kingdom. If you guys don't even realize the Persian kingdom went against Alexander the Great. That's just a bad idea. But, but, <laughs> no, no, but at the same time, that's I'm just saying. That's how big they were. Yeah, that's a, you see what I mean? Mm-hmm. But to be able to still say that instead of going to the king, who I knew at least I've developed a relationship with, instead of going to this Persian king to come and just to say, Artaxerxes, you can do everything and all that stuff. If Esther couldn't even walk into that king's room and then he had to actually like, like the king had to extend the scepter or hold, if he didn't extend the scepter, you were dead. Mm-hmm. What do you think Artaxerxes was like? <laughs> like, and, and, but at the same time, and you've got, you've, got, you've got dibs with this guy. You can talk to him. But yet at the same time, you still go to the king of kings, the lord of the lord, the sovereign one. You go to the one mm-hmm. that like, I, I wept and I moaned and I prayed to the God of heavens. That for me is just amazing. He didn't see the sovereignty of God as an obstacle, but as actually a, a very a way in which like, but my God, like it, it's like Psalm 115, but our God is in the heavens. He does whatsoever he pleases. Yeah. Your God has mouths, but he cannot speak. He has eyes, but he can, you see what I mean? Like, it's just one of those things that's like, and not only that, the beauty of this is that I can humble myself before him and pray and go to him before I even go to the so-called most powerful king of this land right now who is out of exes. Yeah, so um, I'm a big movie fan. Yeah. And <clears throat> so like the two movies that came to mind Yeah. when it comes to, if you really want to know the power and the extent of the Persian Empire. <laughs> so, two movies. The first one, very family friend- friendly. Um, you can get it on Disney Plus. Flintstones. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't seen the Flintstones in I don't know how long. Holy yeah. cow. Um, but, no, The Prince of Persia. Oh, yeah. Uh, with Jake yeah. Gyllenhaal. And, yeah. Which, yeah. Fantastic movie. I wish mm-hmm. they would do more of them, but I don't think Gyllenhaal can handle that much parkour anymore. But, <laughs> but you get a really good idea of what um, the Persian lifestyle really was like, especially for the king. Mm-hmm. Um, but then at the same time, if you want a good idea of what it was like for, um, for Nehemiah in the Artaxerxes type of era, era yeah. which is um, from what I saw. Again, this is Wikipedia, so I'm not exactly sure how accurate this is. But it was kind of it was the middle of the middle of like um kind of the reign of mm-hmm. Persia. Mm-hmm. And then <clears throat> I was like, Oh, cool, that's interesting because I know that there was Xerxes in mm-hmm. the movie Three Hundred. Yeah. Which yeah. Xerxes came before Artaxerxes. Yeah. Now, if you were to watch Three Hundred 
how many soldiers did oh, Xerxes yeah. have? Oh, yeah. And yeah. how many sorcerers did he have at his side? Mm-hmm. Man, Leonidas was a bro for trying to take that on. <laughs> hey. and, and winning, but, yeah. you know, yeah. um, tried to try to not, like, you know, <laughs> go like super nerdy with no with, but but with at the same stuff. time you're right like i thought about persia and thought about Xerxes, and i thought about that i think netflix just put out uh put out um i don't know if i think it's a the battle of it's also persia as well the mm-hmm. battle of uh i think it was darius fighting alexander the great okay like uh but like at the same time, it's just. But when you look at those empires, but to be able to still just in the midst of that, like you have been all around that and mm-hmm. look and then see, because you could either as Nehemiah, like a whole lot of us, we can either get bitter and be able to say, "Oh God, you say you rule and reign. You say you are the King of Kings." But look, you know what I'm saying, mm-hmm. and you can yeah. you can kind of have almost like a way which is a lot of people today, you're an apologist, you fight a lot more of that. A lot of people who are, which is theodicy issues and stuff mm-hmm. like that, like where a lot more people look at the, the sovereignty of God as, a, as actually like an obstacle to their faith instead of actually a what? An invitation to trust. Yeah. That is how the biblical text uses the word faith. It's trust. Yeah, trust. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so ahead. for me, it's just the whole idea of like, you see that even with the psalmist, I will lift up my mm-hmm. eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? Yeah. My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. <laughs> what is he doing there? They're literally yeah. just almost like, that is like, that is sovereign. Like if there was a pre-workout, say take the sovereign's pre-workout. He is dousing himself. Is like, who is God? What has he done? Who is God? Who is God? Who is God? And therefore, who is this? Who is this for? Who is before me? Mm-hmm. Who is this like? And we see Nehemiah has a very big God theology. That's really yeah. what you just. Oh, he yeah. has a big yeah. God theology, mm-hmm. and if God, if God is big, then people are small. Even King Artaxerxes mm-hmm. is small, but if people are big, then your God is small. Then Artaxerxes would have been an obstacle for him. He'd have been so scared to even open his mouth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and um, because we're we're talking about this God who says Cyrus is my servant. He's talking about Cyrus, the, 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 the Cyrus who, who let actually Daniel, like who let all those people go back from exile to go rebuild. Mm-hmm. God is the one who's like, oh yeah, even Cyrus, I put him up there. And what is actually like right before that? What is the theme of, we like dead, we, we like Daniel. We say dead to be Daniel. But what's the theme of the whole book of Daniel? Daniel says it more than once. The, the sovereign God has put you up there, Nebuchadnezzar. The sovereign God has put you up there, Cyrus. Like all those, even the ones that end up getting turned into a goat and like eating <laughs> yeah. and, 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 and eating grass for, for days until even the king finally realized that the, the, 
the God, like he says it this way, the God of the universe is the ruler of all or something like that. It's, it's this, mm-hmm. this whole I- amazing idea of God being sovereign. No wonder why, even when he's being threatened, Daniel is being threatened by lions, bro. He's like, say less. I'm not going to just bow. Mm-hmm. He gets thrown in there. And even the king, everyone is amazed because why? Because there's this, if you could get married to a doctrine, God's sovereignty should be one of your favorite ones. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. And, um, and I, I, I want to preface this, preface that, like if you're going to dive into like a doctrine and really mm. try to understand it, um, <clears throat> go in honestly. Yeah. Go in honestly and not just say like, hey, I want to learn more about God. Go in honestly in the sense of here's where I'm at currently with this doctrine and allow not only the text of scripture, but other commentators and people like that to change your mind. Um, because it's, it's okay to have your mind changed. Um, it's, you know, we're, we're called to have our mind renewed. Yeah. And, Another way to renew your mind is to change your mind for the better. Um, but at the same time, if you come to a specific position on God's sovereignty, that doesn't mean you have to be, um, to throw in another theological term, you don't have to be dogmatic about it. Um, you can, like you and I, we, we differ. However, however big that difference is, we do differ on the um on the sovereignty of God in certain ways, but that doesn't mean, as you, my my pastor and, um, kind of my boss, I could say that, you're not dogmatic and say you have to believe exactly the way that I do in order to be in fellowship here. Yeah. Which, yeah. Um, I know that that question comes up. You know, we're a growing church. That question comes up. Hey, God's sovereignty is always talked about, or we talk about it a lot here at City Church. What does that mean, and are they dogmatic about it? Um, in the sense of what I like, you have to believe the exact same way. And I think the cool part about City Church is we don't have um, that uh, level of uniformity. We have a pretty good diversity of within Orthodoxy. Yeah. To um uh, or pretty good diversity within the boundaries of orthodoxy on God's sovereignty, where the one thing we don't want to sacrifice is a high view of it. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. How, however that ends up taking you, the one thing that we want to do is, is glorify God and say, hey, you are sovereign. You are the ruler. There is nothing that escapes your, your purview. Yeah, yeah. So teach me, please. Because you are the foundation. We're going through Proverbs. Yeah. Proverbs, Proverbs 1 starts with the, the, the fear of the Lord is the foundation yeah. of wisdom. Of wisdom, yeah. Yeah, so. yeah it, it's, it, it becomes something that uh, you will always have, like what we would say, primaries and third, secondary mm-hmm. issues. Um, primary issues are, are, and I would say that like, but some of these other things have nuances, right? Yep. Uh, nuances in terms of just like, okay, what, uh, to what degree, uh, and all those, all, all, all those other things. 
but is God sovereign? Yes, he is. And not only that, is Jesus sovereign over the church? Yes, he is. And mm-hmm. and that really just like is the moment you lower that, the lower that, then actually now we're diving into different waters and stuff like that. Yep. Because yep. then, and this is the thing, as soon as God remain, re- stops being sovereign, something else has to be sovereign. Mm-hmm. But my thing about it is that like, if God stops being sovereign, then you're actually asserting yourself as like, you see what I mean? Like yep. it's just humanity is sovereign. Mm-hmm. And that's now the dangerous part of doing theology. Uh, doing theology as human beings, we have to literally just be um, uh, aware of that God is growing you. And and so there's some of those things where it's like, uh, there's God rails to it, God is sovereign, but where you might end up kind of just landing in within that might just be an issue of growth, mm-hmm. uh, an issue of growth. In two or three or four years' time, as you dive into all these things, you might change where you are standing. Like in terms of mm-hmm. like, it's a, you're not move, you're not throwing the whole thing out, mm-hmm. but you you are you are allowing for growth. Yep. And so that's now like what discipleship is all about. Discipleship is all about. Um, uh, if you remember the story, there's a gospel story. Uh, where Jesus is like is frustrated with the blindness of Pharisees and then he goes and he heals a man. This is the only miracle that he heals a man in two stages. He says, what do you see? He says, I'm seeing trees. Like I'm seeing trees and then he heals, he kind of touches him again and says, like, what do you see? And he can see clearly. And which is actually like, if you really kind of look at that whole passage, Jesus is really just kind of like, and he will talk to the disciples and he's like, don't you understand yet? And Jesus keeps on working with them, bringing understanding more and more. If we could hold some of our our theologizing in that way, Mm -hmm. uh, it'd be so better. Like there's core truths of the doctrine of, 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 of our belief, mm-hmm. like uh, that's why we do Apostles' Creed, that's why we do Nicene's Creed, whatever it is. They're the core truths that we hold on to, but then there are some things that were like, hey, you're still growing into this. Like, treat your theology as a, as a what? As a, as, as, the, as a child's shoe. They have to always be big. Mm-hmm. Just you're growing into it. So don't, don't, don't become a jerk about it. Don't become a, don't become like almost like don't polarize and just say our church is only going to be just like about this and like we're double reprobation people or whatever. Like you see what I mean? Like just this thing of like where it's like, hold on. There's been like eons and eons of time of just arguing on these theological issues. Chances are that you and I are not the geniuses that mm-hmm. are going to come down and finally agree on something. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nor is any one person. That's what I'm saying. So therefore, therefore, <laughs> recognizing you just like you just got invited to a brawl that just like is an ongoing. Get in it. Get out. Get humble. Recognize you're not always you know what I'm saying? Yeah, like in, the king the, of the hill. In, in the words of Kendrick Lamar, sit down, be humble. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, yeah. There so, you go. So, 
Oh Lord. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So it's there's just, a lot of cultural references in this one. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> it's just recognizing that like, hey, you're still growing. We can usually get in a cage stage kind of deal mm-hmm. uh, of just like, no, I'm right. Everybody's wrong. And, and you know what? As a pastor, like there are some people that are like that. Um, and, and usually just like because I know what the way they are and what's going on. And I, I do. I also as well say to, to us as a church, give them grace when they're mm-hmm. there. Love them anyway during that because sometimes they will still come around and be able to say, oh, wow, I can see why you're seeing what you're seeing. Mm-hmm. Or I can see why you're seeing what you're seeing. Even though I disagree, I do sympathize. See yeah. what I mean? Yeah. And just for to kind of, you know, press that a little further before we, you know, end things. Um be mindful too, as you know, you you brought up the cage stage. Um, be mindful that you probably were there too, and that they need grace because yeah, yeah. you needed it. Yeah. Um, the th- the other thing is like you know, it's it's very much like whenever you are, whenever you first become a Christian, you just want to get out there and you want to tell people you want to do X Y Z because God did X Y Z for you, and you want the exact same thing for them. But at the same time, we need to make sure that we're not just Martha. We're not just going out and doing stuff. We are also being Mary, sitting at the feet of of Jesus, listening and learning, and really taking into consideration um, what what God is saying and what I'm already coming to the table with. Yeah. Um, because then that's going to help, you know, with church unity. Um, so, yeah, and 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 some of yeah, that yep. stuff, like there's a there's a book, um, uh, there's a there's a book that like uh, that I want to recommend. Um, uh, who is this gentleman? Like he just kind of rewrote a book. Um, I'll I'll remember that it's mm-hmm. called it's called I think it's called fruitful theology or something like that, which is really just kind of just says that like hey as you as you wrestle with theology and stuff like that, uh, just remember to take love with you, um, you know mm-hmm. remember to take love with you because uh, that's actually like just the um, you know that's like that's that's what we need to it's called yeah it's called fruitful theology how life of the mind leads to life of the soul and he's just basically like the author um the author just basically kind of argues from hey um you know uh he's i love his first chapter is like why did the theologians rage and then he really then takes the fruit of the spirit as mm-hmm. actually like, you know, uh, his conclusion in that book is like, be strong in mind, gentle in spirit. Uh, and that's the only way, at least like if you to do theology for the glory of God, uh, it has to be done with the fruit of the spirit as the as the driving posture versus yeah. actually like you and I have just like been like, 
I see what you're saying. It's totally correct, but it lacked love. Yeah. It lacked that. And so mm-hmm. I think that's actually even when it comes to just some of these things, um, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. But, but at the, at the, yeah. So just in closing, what I really just want our people to just get excited about is that, um, and just challenge, challenge. The biggest challenge here is going to be just like, Nehemiah is not going to let you sit on the sidelines. Nehemiah is not going to allow you to remain the same in terms of your prayer life. Nehemiah is not going to allow you to remain the same. And, and as a church, I'm praying that like even far much more than I could even imagine that this book really does bring us to life as a result of working through it. You see what I mean? As yeah. a result. So, so, and Nehemiah is going to also just be very helpful in recognizing that like, hey, you might want, you might, it's a pipe dream to always want like, oh, I just want to do these things without opposition. No, mm. Nehemiah is going to show you the work doesn't stop because the opposition is there. The work intensifies mm-hmm. even in the midst of opposition. So yeah. let's build. Yeah. That's really yeah. what it is. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, I want to also recommend another book. Yeah. Um, by Gavin Orland. Yes. So uh, it hills. is finding the right hills to die on. Yes. You, you got the hill yes, part. Right? Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Which is, um, it's just a case for theological triage. So it's kind of like a, an apologetic for a theological, um, primacy. Yeah. Um. So which one, which hills are the right ones to die on? Um, and he does a really great job at explaining what he means by that and which ones are what and you know the different types of of levels of theology um so i'd I'd recommend both of those books um but also want to remind you that this is not a replacement for the sunday sermon even though it's going just about as long as the sunday sermon um it's not a replacement for it it's more like a vitamin it's just a little extra something to get you through the week um and to really um like that fruitful theology book says how the life of the mind can fuel good theological thought. Um, we want to engage the mind as Christians um, because we're called to, and this is part of how we do it. So if you are not involved in a local church, we would love to see you get involved in a local church. If you're um, within Williamsport and you don't have one and you're listening to this, please come see us on Sunday. We would love to meet you. We would love for you to make City Church your home church and your sending church as you go out and you become a Mary and Martha at the same time. That you yeah. become a Nehemiah who spends time in prayer as well as going out and doing the hard work um, of rebuilding. So, Raphael, thank you so much for introducing this the sermon series and the book of Nehemiah to us. Um, and we will see you all next week. See you next week.